Welcome everyone to the Asian Voices Radio Podcast, where you'll find real Asian American conversations, including the topics you are too afraid to ask your Asian parents. I'm your host today, Sheena Yapchan, and our guest joining us today is Crystal Rowe, who is the senior editor at BuzzFeed, writing viral content and quizzes focusing on women, pop culture, and trending stories. She focuses a lot on content around women's interests and also doing illustrations, which are mostly about periods, Disney princesses, and Keanu Reeves. Crystal, welcome to the show. Maybe share a little bit about who you are and what you do. Hi, Sheena. Thanks so much for having me. Every time I hear the uh, periods, Disney princesses, and Keanu Reeves in a row, it always makes me laugh. But yeah, so as you mentioned, I am a senior editor at BuzzFeed. And what that actually means is that I'm a writer, but I also edit posts from other writers. And as you mentioned, I do artwork as well. So I'm an illustrator. So I do a lot. But yeah, that's me in a nutshell. Awesome. Well, how did you start at BuzzFeed? I'm sure a lot of people are curious, you know, how do you get a job at BuzzFeed, especially, you know, how did you become a senior editor? Yeah, it's a a very roundabout kind of journey. I actually, my background, my professional background is in the entertainment industry working, you know, in Hollywood. And at the time I was working at a literary management company, um, trying to be a writer for like TV and stuff. And uh, I'd been there for a few years. I was just an assistant. So I was like answering phone calls, scheduling meetings. And uh, there had been a previous assistant at the company who'd gone on to work at BuzzFeed. I didn't know her. We didn't overlap at all. But her old boss, who was a friend of mine at the company, you know, would send me her articles and she was writing at BuzzFeed. At that time, I think BuzzFeed's Los Angeles office had only been open for like a couple of years. It hadn't been very long. Um, and so I got to be familiar with BuzzFeed then. This was probably around like 2014, 13, maybe even, but I think it was 2014. And, uh, so, you know, just like a lot of people, well, young people, I guess at the time, cause BuzzFeed was still pretty new then. I was like, what's BuzzFeed? This place is funny. Um, and then I was just looking, you know, at the different articles and there were other artists and writers at that time who were doing a lot of illustrated content. And I have a background doing a lot of like just artwork for myself. I never in a million years thought I would actually be able to be paid for doing stuff like that. But um, and BuzzFeed has a fellowship program and they had uh, it was relatively new at that time as well. Uh, so I just kind of applied on a whim because I was like, I'm tired of answering phones. I want to, you know, my goal is to be creative. Um, so I applied and, you know, was lucky enough to get an interview. Uh, and the people I interviewed were great, really fun. And then I was lucky enough to be offered a position in the fellowship, which was actually pretty daunting at the time because I obviously had a full-time job and like the fellowship was not a guaranteed uh, full-time job. It it was like a, uh, I think it was like three or four months long program. Um, It was paid, but I was like, you know, if this doesn't work out, then what am I going to do? I'm not going to have a job. But, um, you know, at that point, I think I was just like, this is an opportunity. I need to take it. And and I did. And luckily for me, it did work out. And I was hired to BuzzFeed full time. Um, And then, you know, I basically worked my way up from the fellowship to being like a staff writer to eventually being editor and senior editor, which Makes it sound really easy. It's been over many years. Uh, so I've been at BuzzFeed for about six years, uh, which in BuzzFeed years makes me like a dinosaur, basically. But um, yeah, that's the gist of how I ended up at BuzzFeed. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. That's great. You know, you're, you're able to share your story and mention how you never knew that 
what you love to do, you could get paid for it. Because especially in our culture, right, you're told to go to school, get a job and never rock the boat, right? Don't do anything outside of that. Or your parents would be like, drawing, like, how are you going to make money drawing comics, right? And especially, you know, the comics, yeah, the comics that you draw too, right? Like you mentioned, you, you know, you focus on periods, Disney princesses and Keanu Reeves, right? And maybe share a little bit a bit about as to why you uh, draw those types of things on, on your on your artwork. Um, a lot of that, I think, is a testament to working at BuzzFeed, where you know it's a very, like I mentioned, young company, and everybody there is just really supportive. And I feel like a lot of BuzzFeed's history and a lot of the things we're most known for is sort of like talking about subjects that are taboo. Oh, and just really normalizing things that should be normal, like talking about periods shouldn't really be that big a deal. Like half the people on the planet more, I don't know, have periods. It's really not a big deal. Um, although, you know, traditionally speaking, when, you know, people just, I feel like periods aren't really talking about, maybe you have like a health class in school. I remember having one growing up where like the 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 school nurse was giving a class on like here's how to use a tampon and like she was like yanking on the string and it like she's like don't worry it's fine it'll never break the string literally broke off in the class and like all of us who were like in middle school were like horrified like what's happening so you know but I feel like that's about you know the only time was I really talked about um obviously it depends on how you're raised some people's parents are probably more open and there's obviously books and stuff like that now but you know as far as being a BuzzFeed it's just all about normalizing that and just not taking it too seriously you know the fact that like a period product brands for like pads and tampons just use like flowers and it's pink and the people in the commercials are like jumping and dancing and it's like that's really not the reality is it because most of us are like passed out on a sofa with a heating pad on so like you know it's it, it this is at this point you know I've been doing it for a number of years and I feel like it's a lot more commonplace now to sort of joke about the horrors of periods and stuff like that but a lot of that again is a testament just to being a BuzzFeed and being around other people who are like yeah we should make fun of this and we should use like funny Disney screen caps to like show what it's like to have a period like ah oh, like it's you know like a messed up face of Ariel because your, your cramps are so bad or something like that that's just like very BuzzFeed I feel like it's very core BuzzFeed sort of mentality and, ha- and how we write posts um Disney princesses again I feel like it was, was like a mid 2010s you know back in that 15 to 16 era where suddenly there was this like you know Disney memes were a thing and now and I don't know if it's just like the people who grew up with the Disney movies in the eighties and stuff are adults. So it's just like this re-embracing and nostalgia for that. So, I mean, I'm sure you're aware there's just so much Disney content out there now. Uh, but I feel like five or six years ago, again, when I was starting at Buzzfeed, it was become a thing, becoming a thing to be like, Oh, Disney princesses as X, like whatever. Like I've literally even seen one that's like Disney princesses as Luke bowl, Luke bowl, uh, lukewarm bowls of water, which is just like, you know, just like a meme in of itself. So, uh, so I started doing a lot of that myself as well, just as sort of a joke, but became like a thing, you know, when that show, The Mandalorian came out, uh, gosh, I guess it's been like, what, two years now since it started. Um, and obviously Baby Yoda was a big hit with everybody. It just a coworker of mine was joking like, oh, you're going to draw like a Baby Yoda as Disney princesses now. And I'm like, that's actually not a bad idea. That's very funny. So I did it and I drew it and, you know, it went viral, like a lot of you know social media accounts shared it and stuff so i that's just the power of like i didn't create baby yoda i didn't create disney princesses i just put them together because i knew the internet loved it um and then keanu reeves is keanu reeves everybody loves him um and i think it was around the time he you know he was 
not that he's peaked ever, but there was like a lot going on with him. Like I think sad Keanu and there was like the whole like cyberpunk game announcement where he was like, you know, like you're beautiful or whatever it was. He was, you know, just like a lot happening with him. And again, it was a natural, like, wow, he's like, quote unquote, the internet's boyfriend. Let's just do him as Disney Prince because that's the perfect mashup as well. So that's kind of like how my brain works, I guess. And that's how my brain works at work a lot where it's like, everybody's talking about this and everybody loves Disney, whatever. So let's just put them together because I can do that. (laughs) I love it. Especially, you know, you, you draw about periods, right? Because like we were talking earlier, periods is such a taboo for all cultures, right? For all women. And it's like, something's wrong with us when we talk about it, but it's part of our human nature, especially for women, right? We get it once a month, you know, like you mentioned, it's not flowers and roses, it's leakage or, you know, heavy days or or cramps, right? Or cravings. And that's what the real, real world is when it comes to periods. Like it sucks. We hate it. And, you know, you putting it in a lighthearted way makes us realize like, you know, this is just a part of life. It's a part of life. And the more we can talk about it, the more we can also normalize and be comfortable about talking about it. And then we can use that same concept and talk about other things that's taboo in our culture, right? Especially when it comes to mental health, like mental health is still a huge taboo in the Asian community. One thing I love watching is K-dramas because they really show, you know, how they really promote mental health in their shows, right? Really, you know, talk about these certain storylines that we can all relate to and realize like this is all a part of life. Uh, when when you decided to work for Buzzbe- BuzzFeed or go for the fellowship or write these comics, uh, was were your parents like kind of shocked that you were doing this or were they like open? I was just curious because, you know, sometimes it's either one extreme or the other. <laughs> right. Now, I think I'm, I'm pretty lucky in that my parents are very supportive of what I do. You know, they don't really fit into that what I consider a cliche of sort of the Asian parents who want all their children to be like a doctor or a lawyer, which I feel like it's a little tired at this point. And I don't know if it's just because we're like progressing as a society, not to say it doesn't exist, definitely still exists, but um, I've been very lucky. My parents are very supportive and like they recognized, you know, my abilities to do art from a young age, you know, and completely, you know, from the get-go, been supportive of that. Like, my mother, you know, took me to art classes as, like, an elementary school age student, you know, just because she was like, oh, like, and, and I don't, and I don't know, I was too young to remember if it was like, oh, somebody was like, you should take her to classes, or if just, I'm sure she just realized on her own, like, oh, Crystal loves to draw, like, I should, like, take her to some art classes. So we did that, and then, you know, continued to do it through high school, and did, you know, the whole, like, AP art thing, and whatever, and, um, I actually went to like a private boarding school. So it's a little bit of a strange experience for like, because I was like living there. So my parents weren't actively there like every day, but you know, at that school, I did excel at art as well. So I think I've just been fortunate along the way to have had people like support and believe in me and like never really questioned or be like, don't do that. Um, Having said that, I don't know, like I look back at like... It being in high school and like I definitely didn't know what I wanted to do with my life when I was like 18 I feel like that's a lot to ask of anybody at that age and like I you know look back and I'm like you know it's really surprising that I didn't go to like an art school or something like that for college I didn't go to art school by the way you guys my my art training is pretty informal I was pretty serious about it through high school and then it's not like I went to like some art or design school for college so a lot of like the illustrations and stuff I do now, especially it's all like digital now, you know, I grew up in the eighties and nineties. So everything was, you know, there was no digital artwork there. Um, 
but everything I do now is like very self-taught, like being able to just use Photoshop or even like the tablets that I use and stuff. It's all self-taught. So I'm sure it's like janky compared to like how other professional artists do it who went to like some design school and were actually taught how to properly do things. But I don't think it really matters when it comes to art. You know, what matters is what ends up on the page. But um, yeah, so my parents were very supportive. You know, they were never like, I, you know, why are you drawing? This is dumb. This is like, you know, not a great career to, to, to pursue. They were never really like that. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's, um, that's great that you had parents who were very supportive, right? Because, you know, sometimes it takes them a while to understand what you're doing, even if they have no clue, right? My parents, you know, when I decided to yeah. forge my own path, they were like, why would you do that? You know, you already have a job. You're already successful. Like their their meaning of successful is totally different from my meaning, right? But they, I know they do it because they love me and they care about me and they want the best things, right? Like any other normal parent. I mean, I think that's where that all comes from. Even if your parents, even 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 with the like stereotypical Asian parent trope of like you need to be a doctor or a lawyer, I don't, none of that's coming from a bad place. And I don't think people understand. At least I don't think so. It's entirely possible. You know, there's humans are all different but like you know like you said it's all about like we just want to make sure you're successful and in our minds the easiest way to do that is just to have a career that makes like a lot of money and you know they're not wrong having money is nice so you know you can be comfortable that way but um and i also don't think it's just like an asian parent experience i feel like this is a very immigrant parent kind of experience where it's sort of like we worked really hard to come to this country and obviously we have massive dreams for our, for our children because that's why we're here. And uh, it just seems like the most obvious way to do this is to have like XYZ career. Thanks for sharing that. And, you know, I'm really curious as to, you mentioned you were, you, you attended a private school. Was it you're here in the States? And what was that like? I mean, yeah. um, we don't hear a lot of that. So I know. So I, I'm born and raised in New Hampshire, which is like one of the whitest states you can possibly grow up in which didn't phase me as a kid but the older I get and you know just living I live in Los Angeles now which was which is an incredibly diverse place to live uh it's just sort of like wow yeah I grew up in a very like white community and then like you know just to quickly mention also I went to college in Scotland which like I don't know what's wrong with me I just keep going to these very remote like white places but in any case yeah so I grew up in New Hampshire my parents immigrated from South Korea in like the 70s or I don't I don't know exactly which year which is also bad but um uh and then you know they came to New Hampshire long story sh short my father was in the military and the friends he made who were American soldiers there were from like New Hampshire and so when they came you know obviously way pre-internet days probably writing letters maybe phone calls back then it was like oh come stay with us and they happened to be in New Hampshire so that's how my family ended up in New Hampshire which is very you know, unusual, I feel like for uh, especially a Korean family, most of them tend to end up somewhere in California, Southern California, something like that. Anyways, uh, so yeah, it was in New Hampshire, and I went to a private boarding school. Going to private schools in New England is not super uncommon. I feel like it's a very New England kind of thing. Um, my brother, I have an older brother, he went there first, so it was just sort of like a natural, like, oh, well, the younger sibling's gonna go there too. And it wasn't because my parents didn't want us at home or they didn't love us, it wasn't like that kind of a boarding school is a very preppy like a lot of the students there are from like New York and stuff like that I think for my parents it was just sort of like you know 
Uh, I don't know. It's, it seems like it was just for them. What I've been told over the years is like, oh, we knew this would be like the best education you could get. Like our English isn't perfect. Like, you know, they, we had like tutors growing up and stuff. And it wasn't, again, because we were stupid or anything like that. It was just like your tutors like know English better than we do. They can like really teach you like how you need to be taught like here, et cetera. And that's kind of like the private school was sort of an extension of that. Um, but it wasn't far. It was like, you know, an hour away from my, where my parents lived. Uh, so I never really felt like I'm so far from home. And oh my God, I was actually really excited. I, I think that was just very natural of me to be like, cool, I'm like living somewhere fun. This was like predates Harry Potter and stuff, but it was like that, you know? Thanks for sharing that. And so you mentioned you grew up in New Hampshire and like you mentioned, right? It's not a typical uh, state that Koreans would go to. Like you mentioned, they'd go to LA. I mean, Korean ta- Korea towns in LA, but what was it like growing up in New Hampshire and feeling like, not like, you know, being the only Asian kid around? Yeah, like I said, it didn't really phase me much at the time growing up. I feel like wherever anybody grows up, you don't really think about a lot that, a lot of that kind of like stuff. I didn't really, you know, although in retrospect as an adult, I'm like, oh yeah, it probably I probably faced a lot more aggression and racism than I even like realize on a daily basis. I feel like you just kind of get used to like how things are. Not that it was particularly bad. Like it was fine. I had a nice childhood and stuff. Uh, you know. Um I don't, yeah, I don't know what, what, what more to say about that other than it was fine. I mean, growing up in New Hampshire, regardless of whether your parents are immigrants or not, is pretty remote. So, you know, maybe it gets a little boring. <laughs> uh, you know, me and my friends were all like, I want to, like, drive to California and go to school there, that kind of thing. But I feel like it's a very, like, small town adolescence kind of thing. I will say, sorry, I will say, so obviously there were like no other Koreans in my, in the town growing up. I believe my parents were like the first registered like Koreans in their town or something like that, which is funny, but like, obviously, and again, I think this is very common in like immigrant families, Korean families growing up in sort of, especially remote places. Church is a big part of like your life. So we would go to church like every Sunday and it wasn't because we were like super religious or anything like that, but I feel like there's a large, the thing with Korean churches is that it's like a community thing. So you like gather and especially where we were, where all the Korean families were pretty remote. Like our, the church we went to was like in Massachusetts. It wasn't, you know, no Korean churches, churches in New Hampshire. So it was in Massachusetts. So we'd go there every weekend. So it, I don't know, it was weird. It was sort of like, I knew the other Korean families and stuff around, but they were all really far. And I would just see them on like Sundays. And it was like, I, you know, when you hang around with the other kids, but like they weren't like close friends or anything like that. Because again, pre cell phones, pre internet, it's like, how would I be keeping in touch with these kids? Thanks for sharing that and, you know, sharing your life story. It's it's kind of like that movie that just came out with Steve, Steve Nguyen. I forgot the name, but... Yeah, Minari. Yeah, Minari. You know, it's all about yeah. their life also in a small town mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, what they did to live the American dream. And I know, you know, when we immigrate to places like Canada and America, that's what we want to strive for, right? The American dream, no, no matter what it is, whether it's having a successful job or opening a business. Um, I really love that movie because it really illustrates what, you know, Asian immigrants had to go through to, 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 to want the American dream, right? They sacrifice a lot, you know, they work long days, you know, over the heat, they went through challenges and be able to overcome it. I mean, were there any challenges that you went through in in your own career and journey that kind of helped you shape who you are today? I mean, probably not to the extent of the family in Minari. That is a great movie, by the way. And I, there was a lot of elements about that that I was like, oh, yes, this is great. And this is like a very good example of like representation on like the big screen, right? Where it's like, yes, this is very similar to like my family story growing up. Not that my parents were starting a farm, but this idea of like, 
they were like out in the middle of nowhere as well. I think they were somewhere in the Midwest in that movie. And I'm like, yeah, the reminds me of being in New Hampshire in the middle of nowhere. Um, and there's a lot of like interesting elements in that film that were touched upon about like assimilation and sort of like, you know, like the little boy with the grandmother being like, I'm not pretty, I'm handsome. Or whatever, you know, like there's obviously like language barriers and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 really different between being an immigrant parent and just being the child of immigrants. The experience is really different and the issues are different and the things that make you angry are different. And there's like, there's just so many more layers of like, you know, it's hard enough about being, you know, being a child of immigrants and, and then just like adding on just being a kid in general. It's just hard. Yeah, that's that's for sure. I mean, there's always like a barrier, right? Uh, you know, you you try to grow up in the Western culture, but then you still have like your your Asian culture, like telling you you can't do this, you got to do this. You know, if if you if you speak your mind, they think you're being rude, and it's just like you know you're caught in the middle. <laughs> yeah, and that never goes away. By the way, like you know, I'm much older now, and like there's still things that come up. Still the same, like, I guess. I guess we just don't understand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well. On another topic, um, what are some topics or content that are being produced and featured on BuzzFeed for those who may not have heard of BuzzFeed yet? Yeah. So BuzzFeed, we cover a lot. I mean, we have a side that's purely news. You know, it's like they're straight up news people, total journalists um, that cover serious topics, like say what's going on in Afghanistan and stuff. Um, And then the side that I'm on, which is like the BuzzFeed.com site, is like the fun like lists and quizzes. So you'll find anything from like a list of like funny like internet cats to like a quiz about like which like french fry are you or something like that um so we're kind of just like a plethora of anything you know you can imagine we try to like really think about our audience and like you know think about like who you know even if it's like niche like what's the identity there so like you know for me it could be like short girls or people who grew up you know korean or like we've talked about you know people who have periods you know or just you know you know people who have small boobs something like that which is another like you know maybe that's like more taboo amongst like the broad like audience but for us it's like it's cool it's fun to talk about we want to be body positive uh, and stuff like that. Uh, lately, I've been doing a lot of like pop culture stuff, you know, just writing about like weird movies or shows. Um, it kind of like it comes in waves. So but yeah, it's like anything, anything we can think about, we can really write about that's There's nothing that's really off limits. And that's kind of a really nice thing about being a writer for BuzzFeed is that they really encourage us to just like write about what we want, you know, I love that. I think it's great because there are some reporters and journalists who don't have that uh, creative outlet, right? right? right. They're, they're told what to report. They're told they have to do this or that because of ratings and because of controversy or struggle. But here, like you mentioned, BuzzFeed, they do it because they want you to just you know, have that creativity unleash, right? And you never know what happens when you can unleash that creativity. But was there a, a piece of con- – like what's your favorite content that you produced on Bu- BuzzFeed or is there a favorite content? That's hard, you know. Too many to mention. It's fine because I was recently looking at the number of posts I've written, and I'm reaching approaching two thousand at this point. So there's oh, stuff wow. I've written. Yeah, I'm at like nineteen hundred something, and there's a. <laughs> I'll scroll back sometimes and look at my old posts. I'm like, wow, I don't even remember writing this. Like, where was my brain back then? Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think. I mean, some of my favorite stuff I, we've talked about are the big things, like the Baby Yoda's Disney princesses. Um, 
or the Keanu Reeves as Disney princes is just they're so fun to draw and they're just like I don't know for me they're like that's like me being original and being creative and, and having fun with my with my work um yeah sorry I can't I'm like sure there's some older stuff that I'm like that was so cool and I love doing that but it's been a minute so you know to like think back over the years of like what I've done because there's stuff that does like super well you know that has like millions and millions of views but I'm like that was it's not it wasn't a passion of mine it was just something kind of silly that I thought would be cool and for whatever reason it just like hit with audiences and it's just like it's funny to see stuff take off but you're like I mean this is a very classic BuzzFeed thing where you'll like maybe spend like hours and days on on something that's really precious to you and it, it won't do particularly like it'll do okay you know uh but then like you'll spend like maybe like 30 minutes on like a silly quiz and it'll have like 10 million views and you're like cool I don't I don't know what I tapped into there, but I wasn't necessarily trying to like have that go viral. I mean, you're always trying to have something go viral because that's just like the goal. But like, yeah, it's interesting. I like that. I mean, I know we always try to make things go viral, right? And it's usually the times when we don't really try is when it just kind of crazy takes off, right? And I I like that you mentioned that not all things go viral because I think it's important to talk about that, right? Just because you're big, you work for a big news media outlet doesn't mean every single article or every single quiz that they do has that viral sustainability, right? It's up and down like anything else in life, right? It's up and down. It's not the straight, narrow um, arrow that goes through. Like it's not always viral every time you go out there and post something. It's a hit and miss sometimes. And we have to be okay with that. And, you know, amazing. 1900 news articles and quizzes and comics, like that is, (laughs) that is a great achievement. And I think we need to celebrate that, right? Because I mean, we, we tend to forget about our achievements or we forget to think like, wow, we've gone through so much. We've, I've done so many things. I've done over 1900 articles. I mean, you know, we just have to give ourselves a pat on the back. And, you know, if someone's listening to this and wants to know about like how to get into becoming a writer or becoming an editor or working for BuzzFeed, what are some tips or even just being able to do something they love and getting paid for it? I mean, what would be some advice you'd like to give to them? You know, it's hard to be able to be paid to do something you love and enjoy. That's a very rare position to be in. And I'm very lucky uh, and, and very aware that I'm lucky to be in that position. I think, you know, because for a long time it wasn't. And, you know, you just got to keep like hustling. It's such like a boring thing to say. But like what if your day job is boring, but you want to do something creative on the side, take take the time at night or when you have pockets during the day to just like work on that. And also, you know, you got to be out there. It, it, you got to be like ready for the opportunities to come along. Um, when they happen, uh, I wasn't expecting BuzzFeed to come along. I wasn't writing that content before. Um, but I feel like these days, like, you know, if you want to be a writer for a place like BuzzFeed, you got to like, maybe try writing, even if it's something as simple as like, you're writing your own blog and like, you're creating your own content and then try to like, maybe do some freelance posts for some other outlets. There's a lot of places that are doing freelance, even BuzzFeed just started doing work with freelancers, you know, and just like submit your ideas, like, you know, put yourself out there. Uh, just keep creating is the main thing. You can sit there and want and wish as long as you want, but like at the end of the day, if your work isn't there and you aren't trying, like nothing's going to happen. I love that. And it's so true, right? Actions speak louder than words. And I know sometimes it's easier said than done. And the hardest part is starting, right? Uh, I've been there. I've I've been guilty of it. Like, you know, you kind of procrastinate and overthink to the point if we just went out there and did it and make some mistakes along the way, uh, we could go out there and create amazing things. So I really love that tip that you mentioned. And uh, if our listeners wanted to check out some of your artwork or read some of your articles, uh, is there any links or social media profiles we can connect with? 
Yeah, I mean, my Instagram account is just at Crystal Row. Um, I have a Twitter account. I'm not very active on there. I mainly just retweet funny cat videos and stuff. But yeah, the Instagram account at Crystal Row, and I have a website that's crystal-row.com. So yeah, see it all there. I love it. Well, first off, I want to thank our guest today, Crystal Rowe, for joining us. To learn more about Crystal and her work, please visit www.crystal-rowe.com. If you have any suggestions for future topics, we'd love to hear from you. Also, be sure to subscribe as well as follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please join us next week for another exciting and thought-provoking Asian Voices radio show. Until next week, I'm Sheena Yapchan. I'd like to thank you for listening. Take care. Until then, everyone.